This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Alexander the Great came about. Young man, and didn't live very long. He died in his early 30s. Alexander the Great is important because within a short 10 years, he conquered most of the then known world. And when he conquered most of the then known world, he did something very important. You know, some of you may have heard about the, the world order, the one world order. They want every, you know, currency, language, every, everybody be one. Well, that was what Alexander the Great sought. You know, he sought to make everybody in the then known world to make them Greeks. They call that Hellenization. You know, so that in thinking, in action, in speech, and everything, they will be Greeks. But he worked out for the good of the church, right? Because when the gospel was written, the New Testament, it was written in Greek because everybody spoke Greek. So it worked for the church. So during the period of Hellenization, one of the things that happened is the Greeks also came with their polyistic nature, many gods, all right? So during that time, many of the Jews also drifted. That period particularly reminds me of the, the transitions we're going through in the church today. That is why I went through all of this explanation. Because when the, when the Greeks came, I was introducing them to all kinds of God. You will remember in the, uh, in the uh, book of Acts, Paul writes about they had an altar to the unknown God. That was how many gods they had. They had all kinds of gods. And they even had an altar for the unknown God. So this began to influence the Jewish people, their worship of God. And that is how you now had splinter groups in the community of the Jewish people. There were some people that thought, well, it is what it is. Let's just go with the flow. Those were the Sadducees. They went with the flow. Our culture is changing and changing rapidly. How is the church responding to the culture? Are we going with the flow like the Sadducees? Then there was another group that pushed back and said, no, 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 no. We are Jews. We will not do that. We will not do that, you know. And then they wrote all kind of edicts to help themselves live according to the scripture. Those were the Pharisees. And then you had a third group that said, no, we're not having this. We, we, can't, we can't go with the world. Remember that song? Goodbye, world. By pleasures of sin. Okay, so that, I see you know the song. So is that a song to you or is it your reality? So these people, the essence, they decided, you know what? We don't want to be polluted by all of this mess. So we're going to withdraw. So they went into the desert and they were living separate from everybody so they can please God. Is that what we ought to do? 
Should we withdraw from society and just live in our own cocoon? And then there was a fourth group that <laughs> they didn't just push back, they fought back. The zealots. They fought back. They, it was war. Should we take up arms? And they said, no. He has not called us to that. Remember, when they came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Peter took out a sword and cut off. He said, no, 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 no. He said, put away your, put away your swords. Our kingdom is not going to be won by daggers and sword. So we're not supposed to be that fourth category either. I'm saying this because of the reflections that we, have, that we should be having about how we are conducting ourselves in this pop culture. Amen? Let's read scriptures very quickly. Romans chapter 1. We're going to read verse 22 and then jump to, jump to 26 and read to 29. He said, claiming to be wise, which is us today, <laughs> claiming to be wise, they instead became other fools other fools. Verse 26, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Women to women. Verse 27, and the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Verse 29. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, Greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. Amen? He said because they have denied God, because they have thought to lean on their own wisdom, they became fools. All the wisdom that they talked about became foolishness. Let me give you an example. Ten years ago, pronouns were not an issue. It's either you are a he or you are a she. But now, you have to qualify it. In fact, you see people put in front of their name, he, him, his, that this is who I am. Why? Because some people say they are they, them. An individual. You see how wisdom has become foolishness. One person is saying, don't call me he, I am them. So when, it's, when you want to say, he went over there, you will have to say, they went over there. Today, even in the church, if you have discussions around abortion, 
transgender, sexuality, and other social norms in the pop culture, a big debate will ensue with little or no regard for scripture. This is why I think it's important for us to remember history because God gave them up to their reprobate minds. Right? Because they thought now they are wise, but they became foolish. So what must we do? How must we respond to this? Should we go with the flow of the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Essenes or the Zealots? What must we do? The real question is what will Jesus do? If Jesus was living here and now today, what would Jesus do? We can know that because if you backtrack, remember, we had the Persian rule, we had the Hellenization, right? After the Hellenization, the zealots, they actually gained ground. They were able to set themselves free, you know, and uh, they, a group of Jewish people became the dynasty. That's how they're ruling. But you don't need all of those details. They were ruling, but there was a lot of infighting within them amongst themselves. So they went and called the Romans, said, please come help us. When the Romans came, helped them, they took over. <laughs> they took over and, you know, started ruling them. That was what Jesus was born into. That was when Jesus was born. You know, so all of those divisions were still there. How did Jesus handle it? This will tell us how we must handle ourselves in the times we live in today. Well, remember in John chapter 3, a leader of the people, of the Jewish people, by night came to Jesus, Nicodemus, to ask Jesus, you know, how might a person be saved? Jesus said, you have to be born again. He said, how, do I, how will I go back into my mother's womb? And a conversation ensued. And then the scripture that you know very well, John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus said to him, This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus' solution to the people at the time was the life of God. He said the first step is you need salvation. And with salvation, you have the life of God. You have a new nature. You have a nature that is no longer yours, but the nature of God. You have the life of God. You have the spirit of God within you. And our scripture of the month, John 10, 10, he said to them, he said, the thief comes to steal, uh, comes, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Remember, remember, when you get on the airplane and they are giving instructions as the flight is about to take off, you know, they tell you about the oxygen mask, and they say, well, you have to put on your mask in case of emergency before you try to help somebody else. So before you look at the world and say, all oh, these sinners, you got to first look at yourself. Am I like the people I'm criticizing. So I need to first of all fix me before I can help anybody else. All right? So everything starts with salvation. 
Everything starts with salvation. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, and Romans 8, 11. I'm going to read both uh, in the same breath. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us two things, new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. New life and new birth through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will what? Give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. The point I'm making here is the Holy Spirit impacts us with the life of God. The Bible says no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right? I'm going somewhere here. Amen? So the Holy Spirit imparts us with the life of God, or you may also say the nature of God. So I have the nature of God. I have the new birth. I have a new life. I'm a new creation that has never existed before when I gave my life to Christ. And with that nature of God, with that life of God, also comes an impartation of the power of God. Acts 1.8 tells us that, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you. So because I have this new life and I have the Spirit of God inside of me, I have power. Somebody say, I have power. I have power. The Bible says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. It, it means when you are born again, the issue of sin is a matter of choice for you. It's not something you are compelled to do. Why? Because I have power. Somebody say, I have power. I have power. You have power. I have power. And I have power. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It says you will receive power. And then you will go all over the place telling people about me. So the life of God also impacts me with power. You see, I, I think where we miss it is we forget about our personal individual responsibility when it comes to the things of God. So, we are, we are familiar with obsessive compulsive behaviors. Things that make you do things. But we are not familiar with the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. The freedom to choose. The Bible says whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. So I'm free. I'm free to make a choice, but will I choose him? Will I choose Jesus? You know, there's always an opportunity. If, if he didn't give us a choice, we will be robots. Yeah? It means I don't have a choice. He made me do it. No, but he gave us a free will. Why? Because we are made in his own image and in his own likeness. So because I have the life of God in me, I have the nature of God, I have the power of God, I can choose to follow the ways of God. If I don't, it is because I have chosen otherwise. Can you say this with me? Nothing. Nothing. No, one no one is making me do stuff. I'm doing what I want to do. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. 
I want to tell you three things. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list, like I always say. Three things that the life of God does for you. Three significance of the life of God. Number one, the number one thing the life of God does for us is transformation. Transformation. I still remember like yesterday. When I gave my life to Christ, for real, for real. There were other instances, but don't let us go into that. <laughs> you know, when I gave my life to Christ, for real, for real, I remember I was still living with a group of guys that we did horrible things together. We smoked, we drank, you know, we womanized. That was what boys did on campus. That's why I'm thankful for our youth. You know, they're very special to me. Amen. Our future is bright. <laughs> with this kind of youth, our future is bright. Anyway, let's come back to this. You know, so I gave my life to Christ, and I remember I was so filled with joy going back to my room, my BQ. We stayed in the BQ. It was the cool guys that stayed in the BQ. If you went to university in Nigeria, you would know what I'm talking about. So we lived in the BQ, the cool guys, right? So I got back to the room, and the first announcement I made to them was, I am born again. You know? It was not... You know how sometimes you feel the pressure that, how am I going to do this? The, I didn't have such pressure. I tell you the truth, I lie no. I'm standing on the altar of God. I got to my room and I told them, I said, I am born again. Born again. They, I mean, I was a social drinker. I was not like somebody that drinks like that. You know, just socially, I just drink. You know, but when I drink, I didn't have control. I get drunk. You know, so... I got back to the room. My most compulsive problem was smoking. And I lost appetite for smoking. I, in fact, I didn't know, they, we didn't have, what do they patch, you know, not, none of that. I just lost the taste for it. I must confess that six months later, I went and I took it. It was a choice. I took it and it tasted like wood. It tasted nasty in my mouth. Praise the Lord. That was a personal experience. It happened to me. So when you give your life to Christ, the power of God inside of you enables you to choose what you do and what you don't do. Personally for me, I just didn't want anything to have power over me. So I wanted to separate my will my choices that I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to do that. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, I was able to do that. And my friends, without a shot, in fact, one of the things I missed the most when I gave my life to Christ was they were praying for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I remember some people started praying in tongues and I was sad that I did not receive it. So all week, that was my prayer. All week. Following Sunday, I went to church. I went to meet the counselor that met with me after I had given my life to Christ. I said, I still don't speak in tongues. He said, don't worry. It will come to you. The following day, early morning, I mean, with all the stale cigarettes and alcohol smelling in the room, I knelt down and I was praying 
And before I knew what was happening, I was speaking in tongues. It took me a while to catch myself that I'm not praying in English. Praise the Lord. There is an enablement and an empowerment that comes upon you and lets you do certain things that you didn't think were possible. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. You are the one that is giving it. He's not taking it from you. It's not, the Holy Spirit does not make you do stuff. Amen? He said, give, give your bodies and let God walk through you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind it will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. Watch, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. To copy is an act of your will. He said, don't copy, don't be like your environment. Don't be a chameleon. Because this is what everybody is doing or this is what everybody is saying and that's what you're doing and that's what you're saying. He said, but let God transform you. Somebody say, let. Let suggest, give permission. Allow, permit God to transform you. Amen. It means God is willing and ready and able, willing. But you have to give permission. Remember what I told you earlier. Nobody can lead you if you don't give them the permission to lead you. He said, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is Colossians 3.10. Like the guy in the video, some people would be saying, you have said this scripture so many times. Don't you have others? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. He said, put on your new nature. Is somebody putting the new nature on you? He said, you take the responsibility to put it on. So if as a believer, my life is not reflecting my beliefs, it's because I have not put on my nature. It's because I have not allowed God, I have not permitted the Holy Spirit to walk and transform who I am. Amen? Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And become like him. So I become like him as I let, right? Is that in your Bible? As I put on, rather, as I put on the new nature, and as I'm learning to know God, the things that I'm learning, I'm putting into practice, and my life is transformed. If I will only live by what I'm learning, allowing it to transform, to change who I am, I will be a new person. All of a sudden, people will see you and they don't recognize you anymore. Why? Because you are transformed. You are transformed. Let's leave that. There's personal responsibility to learn. It says, and you learn, you learn, you learn, you learn. The learning is my responsibility. Amen? 
God is not just going to fill you with knowledge and then you are... No, 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 no. You take steps. You have a Bible reading plan. You, whatever plan you want to follow, follow some kind of plan and study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed. So the life of God transforms you. The life of God also enables you to please God. It enables you to please God. Amen? Our time is fast spent. Let me stop there. Let me stop there. And then we'll pick it up from there next time.